You're back at the Faculty Factory podcast. I'm Kim Skorupski here at Hopkins. And in the Faculty Factory Zoom house is Dr. Tyra Feinstad. Hi, Tyra. Hi, Kim. So happy to be here. Dr. Feinstad is an associate professor of medicine, the resident clinic director in Lowry Internal Medicine, co-director of Better Together Physician Coaching, all at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. Now, Dr. Feinstead came to us by my colleague and friend, Dr. Rachel Levine, who said, oh my gosh, Kim, I need to connect you with Dr. Tyra Feinstead. She'd be a great guest on the podcast because she is at the outgoing SGIM, Society for General Internal Medicine, Horn Scholar, and a lead researcher on this great article, Boom, called The Effect of a Novel Online Group coaching program to reduce burnout in female resident physicians, a randomized clinical trial. It came out May 6, 2022, JAMA Open, JAMA Net W Open. What is, oh, JAMA Network Open. A super great article. She's got a lot of data. She just dropped some great news that she's about to click a submit button on a even better data. So we're going to learn about group coaching. So Tyra, tell us. Yay. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Thank you for that generous introduction. I am Tyra Feinstead. And yes, I just want to say a huge thank you to Rachel for introducing me to you and for all of the great mentorship in the um, SGIM Horn Award. And yes, I am the um, co-founder and co-director of Better Together Physician Coaching, along with my partner, Dr. Adrian Mann, who is a um, hospitalist here at the University of Colorado VA Medical Center. She and I created this coaching program really out of what, what I now retrospectively have come to define as like a gift to my prior self. It's what I wish I would have had when I was in training and in my um, early early facultyhood in internal medicine. And what I mean by that is I found my way to coaching through really pretty profound early career burnout, which I think was because of a classic trainee mindset of approval addiction. Ooh. And so, yeah, since I have been coaching now for years, a lot of residents, fellows, and faculty, um, I think this is not unique to me. I think that the addiction to approval or praise is something that kind of feeds us in medical training and beyond. And so I was this very classic medical student and medical resident on this, what felt like to me, this hamster wheel of just like stress and anxiety and the need for external validation. And so the way that I knew that I was okay was if I got an honors grade or an excellent evaluation or a, you know, a house staff of the week award or various other ways that I think trainees are taught to evaluate themselves. We look outside to see how we're doing. And of course, to some extent, we all have to look outside. But for me, I really only looked outside. I did not develop an internal compass at all. And so when I hit the end of training and became an attending, um, I was at the University of Washington at the time in Seattle. That's where I did my residency, my chief residency. And then I was a primary care doctor. And I had my dream job. I was in 
the clinic that I had been in during residency and during my chief year. And I was a teaching physician and I was seeing my own patients and I just thought I had it made. Um, but actually all sources of feedback stopped, right? When you go from being a resident to an attending, you stop being evaluated all the time and you stop being told how you're doing almost all together. Like nobody comes in the room with you and a patient anymore. Nobody's giving you constant feedback. And for me, no one was giving me a constant stream of praise anymore. And so I think I went into withdrawal. And because I had never been taught to look inside for how I was doing, I didn't have an internal compass. Like the floor dropped out from under me and my brain only knew how to tell myself I was doing terribly. I had a really strong inner critic or a really strong negative self-talk center. And so I had this constant stream of telling myself I must be doing badly. Layer on top of that, this is when I had two kids. I had two babies pretty soon after residency, which is pretty common for female physicians to do that. And so I'm in this time of acute stress, figuring out who I am as an attending, trying to be a new mom, not really sleeping, um, and had some postpartum anxiety and depression. Also, no constant stream of praise. So I was a mess. Um, And I tried all sorts of things. I tried, I tried scaling down at work as many people do. I tried, that didn't work at all. Um, I tried scaling up at work. I tried an SSRI. I had a therapist. I had a psychiatrist at one point. I was like doing all the things. I was reading all the things. I was really trying to find my way and nothing was working actually until I begrudgingly found a life coach. And I found a life coach. It was a colleague who was going through coach certification and asked if she could give me a session for some feedback. And I remember thinking like, no way, this is not real. This is like, to me, it was the equivalent of like maybe homeopathic medicine, right? It was like not evidence-based, sort of sounded like a life cheerleader. I I rolled my way into this conversation, uh, but she was a dear friend. And so I said, okay. Jennifer, I will coach with you. And I kid you not, more about my life changed in that one conversation than like any decade prior to that. I my whole mindset changed. It was amazing. Can we pause here? You've said so many riveting things. Yeah. And first of all, thank you for your honesty, Tyra, for being so open with us and sharing these experiences, sharing your, your emotions and your feelings. And so helpfully contributing to this conversation of reducing stigma around mental health and well-being. So thank you. And I can't even imagine what you're talking about and what you didn't even mention when you were telling your story of no constant stream of praise anymore, no more constant feedback, not getting that external validation, um, seeking the approval, um, praise and being addicted to that. Add on to that early career faculty who are getting rejected. They can't, they're not having time to write their peer-reviewed publications to, in, to do their scholarship. Journals are re- rejecting their articles. Co-authors aren't contributing. The grants aren't getting funded. Yes. They're not getting scored. You're, it's, you're, administrative work is piling up and piling up and all your commitments to service and the community and you're having 
fewer and fewer resources to help you do your job at work. That is, you didn't even mention that additional burden that further makes you feel like, oh my gosh, uh, this is, uh, this burden, this heaviness had to contribute to that sense of feeling like uh-huh. I'm, I'm your inner critic. Like, are you kidding me? Not only am I not getting praise, I, it's the opposite. I'm getting criticized. I'm not working enough. I'm not publishing enough. I'm not getting enough funding. I'm not getting and writing enough revenue. So Yes. Uh, yes. Thank you for for raising and elevating this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of an invisible burden. I mean, we all sort of talk about it, but unless you experience it and unless I'd say you're actively experiencing it, you kind of forget what it actually feels like. But it's totally crushing to be a junior faculty member at a big academic institution. And I was constantly comparing myself to my attendings who were at that time really a decade or more senior to me and publishing like crazy and their kids are already like school-aged and not having protected time to do that makes it impossible, especially, you know, you're expected to sort of write on your nights and weekends and my nights and weekends were all baby life. I, I was getting nothing done. Absolutely. We do that. We compare our inner selves to others' outer selves. It's ta- It's about my friend Jennifer Haythorn, through the psychologist, it's a, about appropriate social comparison that yes. we, some, our brains tell us, oh, we, we put these people on pedestals and deservedly so some of them already on there. And we go, ah, I'll never be that. But we don't know all the rejections and they're way ahead of us on the on the ladder, the career trajectory, and we falsely compare ourselves. It's 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 a false um, scale that we're using, and we don't know what's going on. We just look at their outward appearance and presence and think, "I'm a mess." I absolutely, and we have no idea that's what what's going on behind that curtain. They may be a mess too, but by objective criteria, you think, "Oh, they're they got it all together." Yes. Um, that's so right. I give, I have a failure CV that I keep in a Google doc and it is so much longer than my actual CV because I have been rejected so much, especially in this time period. As you said, you painted a perfect picture. I was getting rejected left and right. I did not know what I was doing. And I give that failure CV to all of my mentees now. because oh, I you know are, what they're doing I with love me. you. That is so important that we love the fail. I love the anti-CV, the failure CV. When I first started applying for jobs, I put all the grants that I had written that were, tri- they're called them triage back in the day, triage, triage, triage. And people, my friends are like, why are you putting that on your CV? I'm like, because they're all my failures that I, I said, I want people to know that I'm in the game. I want people yes. to know that I'm swinging away. I'm swinging. They're like, no, it makes you look like you're just a loser. You're, 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 you're batting at zero. <laughs> I want them to know that I'm, you know, that I'm, I'm in it, but I finally was convinced to, to get those off of there, but it's so important to show, to be authentic and real with, yeah. I was serving on a panel presentation of women leaders. And I kind of shared that same thing, like um, with my big, big diversion, but I was like, you know, you think about it's not necessarily being rejected, but redirected because my story was, I was submitting every funding cycle and R01 and it was, unscored, 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 unscored. And finally, I'm like, what is what is wrong with me? And then I realized, oh, I was being redirected to do faculty development. I didn't even, it opened up a whole career for me because I was failing in yeah. the NIH world on purpose because now it opened up this whole window where I'm in doing what I love and what makes my heart so happy. So 
thank you for bringing up that, you know, the failure CV. It's so refreshing when you see, you know, wonderful people like you who are like, listen, hey, we're all in this together. I failed too. And if if you're not failing, that means you're not doing something. You're not, you're not the failure show you what's not working, right? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Can you tell us, so let's let's fast forward now back. I just I wanted to make sure people could pause and appreciate your story. Back to the life coach. That you said that one hour changed it all. Can you kind of take us back to that experience? And you know, you you said I love it. You eye rolled your way into that conversation. <laughs> so after your eyes started stop rolling around in your head, at what point were you like, whoa, wait a minute, hold the phone here. This is yeah. getting good. What happened? Yeah, well. I think it boiled down to learning two things. First of all, my coach told me that I didn't have to believe my thoughts just because I was thinking them, which was news to me. Nobody had ever explained that to me. And the second gift that she gave me was she challenged me to be grateful for one week for my anxiety. Grateful. And she wanted me to go around looking at all of the areas that I was actually grateful for this thing that I had seen as a huge problem to fix and had only been sort of tackling it um, and trying to get it out of my life. And I had never in a, a million years imagined I was even allowed to look at it with gratitude. And I did that. And I, I kid you not, just giving myself permission to even just stop fixing the anxiety, but one further step to be grateful for it changed everything. It lightened it. It gave me space between me and my anxiety. It made me look at my emotion as not me, but, you know, something happening inside of me. Um, And I was hooked from then on. I then invested in coaching for a couple more years, both through this coach. And eventually I found the Life Coach School, which was my certification school. Um, They have a podcast that I sort of got hooked on. And they are very physician friendly. Their coaching model is really evidence-based and um, algorithmic. And so it just calls to like type A brains. They sort of break it down. It's sort of CBT meets ACT. So cognitive behavioral therapy meets acceptance and commitment therapy. Also some just basic like Socratic general inquiry questions and radical compassion thrown in there. Anyways, I was hooked. I signed up for an online coaching program and then eventually decided I've got to be certified in this because the whole time I was getting coached and coaching myself and getting better healing, I just simultaneously was grateful that I found this, but also was kind of angry that nobody taught me these skills in medical training. Like nobody teaches you how to name and process or even describe an emotion. There's sort of lip service to it, but nobody teaches you how to sit down and actually process an emotion. And it's like a five minute skill. It's easy to do. Anybody could do it, but nobody taught me that in medical school. And then they throw you into this field where you are faced with probably like the most intense emotions arguably of any field in the world, and you are not equipped to manage them at all. And so I was mad. (laughs) It's like, this should be taught right along with, you know, the Krebs cycle or the coagulation pathways. We should be taught how to deal with grief and anger and burnout and moral injury and all the complicated emotions that are about to happen to us. I'm so blown away by everything you're saying. And it's so, it's perfect. And 
when you listed the two things, you know, don't believe everything you think. I love that, that advice from your coach, just because you're thinking something like, oh, I'm stupid. I'm incompetent. I'm a failure. I'm never going to make it. Or I'm feeling, you know, whatever. Don't believe that just because your brain is telling you that. Um, And then the second thing, you know, be grateful. I thought you were just going to say gratitude, be grateful, period. But you said, be grateful for your anxiety. And I, of course, we all know about it. have a gratitude journal and be grateful for everything. And yes, yes, yes. I mean, when you were earlier talking about you tried everything, I was going to say, you know, sarcastically, well, did you try a yoga mat? Because you <laughs> think, well, yeah. you give everybody a yoga mat and then shazam, everything's fixed. But right. um, be grateful for your anxiety. I That reminds me of the mindfulness-based stress reduction, of course, I took where our instructor, Dr. Netta Gould, because my brain is just like a lot of chatter, 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 like everybody's a lot of of monkeys jumping around in there. And she'd say, instead of being, you know, judgmental about that, name it, say hello. So it kind of made me when you said, grateful for your anxiety, anxiety. um, Hello, it's like, hello, darkness, my old friend, you know, I've come to talk with you again. (laughs) And it's that same, oh, hi, anxiety. Hello, sadness. Hello, anger. Um, Let me show you at the back door. Let me put you yes. in the corner. Um, I'm going to step around you. You're not going to go away, but I will acknowledge you. But I'm not going to sit with you at this point. I will I will name you. I will then be curious as to where that's coming from. So, yes, 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 yes. I'm loving this. I I I want to spend um, a week with you. I want to learn more about this. Please tell us more. I'm so excited. Well, so at the same time this was happening to me, I was getting ready to move back to Colorado. I accepted a position at the University of Colorado. Simultaneously, I um, applied for this grant, this award through the Society of General Internal Medicine. And I wrote this, my submission. I said, I want to become certified as a life coach and I want to build a program for residents. Because I think that that is such a crucial time where your identity is forming and you're really vulnerable to all the toxic um, thoughts of medical training. And I want to make this coaching program for residents and I'm going to try it out at the University of Colorado. Wildly, I got accepted. Thank you again, Rachel and everybody else in the Horn Award Committee, um, which gave me the gift of protected time. So I had time protected to build and run this coaching program that I had not been gifted before. Um, And it uh, it was sort of given to me, even though I hadn't done it yet, which was just flipped the paradigm of the early facultyhood mindset that we were talking about before. It was like, yes, we believe in you, even though you haven't proved yourself yet, here is this protected time. And so not only did I get the time, but I also got this thought, like, maybe I'm worth it, even though I haven't proved it yet. Someone else believes in me. So maybe I can too. I moved home to Colorado. I met my now coaching partner, um, Dr. Adrian Mann, who was going through a very similar journey here at in Denver, wrote a eerily creepily similar grant um, for through our Department of Medicine here that ended up being funded. It gave her money to start a program that she she ended up getting certified through the same certification as me. I mean, we were really living parallel lives, so we teamed up, and together we created Better Together Physician Coaching. And um, this was early 2020. This was just before the pandemic hit. So we imagined this as like a group of 10 or 20 medicine residents together in a room getting coached by Adrian and I, maybe a pre-post study. And then the pandemic hit. And so we pivoted to um, a Zoom online group coaching model. 
And we sent out a recruitment email in fall of 2020. And on day one, we got like 50 responses. Please, we've been waiting for this. This sounds amazing. Also, my best friend is a pediatrician. Could you open it up to peds? My cousin is an emergency medicine doc. Could you open it up to emergency medicine? So we opened up our study here at the University of Colorado to all female resident physicians. We targeted females because they are two to 10 times more burnt out than their male counterparts. So we wanted to go where the need was greatest um, and specialty wide. And we cut ourselves off at a hundred because at that point we had no idea how many we could coach. Um, And we just didn't want to under deliver. And since we got a hundred pretty quickly, we decided to split it into 50 and 50 and do a randomized controlled trial. So we gave the first, the intervention group, the first 50 of them that were randomized to the intervention group, we gave them better together physician coaching from January to July of 2021. And the control arm got nothing, just residency as usual. And we then pre-post tested everyone on validated indices of well-being. And then we gave the control group coaching in the following six months after the study was over. So we built the program in the fall of 2020. It is, um, you can visit us online, www.bettertogetherphysiciancoaching.com for an overview. There's also a little FAQ video on there, but it's basically a three-armed, three-pronged group coaching platform. It's all housed on a members-only secure website. And um, if you join Better Together Physician Coaching, you get regularly scheduled anywhere from two to six times a week group coaching calls on Zoom. And those are really vulnerable. So any participant can hop on a Zoom link if they're able to. Nothing's required. You don't have to join a coaching call, but anybody can join and then be coached on anything. And they are all um, guided by a certified physician coach who has gone through the life coach school, who coaches in the same way that Adrian and I coach, who is a physician um, and who delivers coaching with that model that I was describing before. The coaching sessions are actually pretty quick. So we host one hour calls. There's anywhere from like 10 to 500 people in the audience and four of them come up and get coached during the hour on anything under the sun. So it's like career decisions, you know, um, feedback that's hard to hear. I coached someone last week on a divorce. We've coached on breast cancer diagnosis, aging and dying parents, fights with your husband or wife, um, you know, parenting stuff, sleep deprivation, imposter syndrome on rounds, you name it, we've coached on it. It's unlimited. We coach for about 15 minutes and then send that person back. And then we bring up another one. We do that a couple of times during the hour. And that happens a couple of times a week. All of the calls are recorded on a private podcast. So anybody who's participating in that cohort can listen to them later. And I will say most people listen to them later or they kind of lurk in the audience and don't raise their hand. So most people are benefiting from this program just by simply listening to their colleagues be vulnerable. Like the vast majority of people are not quite brave enough yet to come up and be coached in person. I will say if you do come up and be coached, you can change your Zoom name. You can choose to not show your camera. I've even coached someone on a voice modulator. So you you can sort of choose your own level of vulnerability. Um, But we encourage people to come up with their cameras on and their real selves and just normalize the struggle. So that's the live coaching facet of the program. 
I, um, I, just, I just want to pause and again, congratulate you and Dr. Mann. Brilliant. Um, just brilliant. It's so interactive. It's so real. It's obviously life-changing. And it's another example of how how we learn by observing and you're re- re- making me reflect on like the early career reviewer opportunities at the NIH where you can serve early career faculty members can serve on NIH study sections at your institutions. You can start, or you maybe already have grant review meetings where, where um, faculty members share their specific aims pages. When any, I'm trying to get at the idea that any experience where you don't necessarily have to be um, actively in the role play or the exercise of this vignette, but the watching it, like you said, seeing how the question, the curious non-judgmental questions help the faculty member think through goals and obstacles and and yes. and options and and um how to do things. It's so impactful. We do here at Hopkins a specific aim speed session. And a lot of the people are just, they're the, they're the wallflowers. They're the people, they're just sitting around the edges of the room. They're not, they've chosen not to submit their own specific games page for review, but you can just see light bulbs popping up, boom, 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 boom. And I, and I know that that's the experience and the safety that you're creating where faculty members can go, okay, I see this, I got it. And, um, so thank yes. you for doing this and um, congratulations. Tell us more. Keep going. I mean, I think that's exactly why this is so impactful. I'll tell you about the data later, but I think this group mechanism not only makes it super scalable because I can coach, you know, there could be five people in the audience or there could be 5,000 people in the audience. And I think what I've heard from our audience and what I've experienced myself, I also do group coaching programs, is that actually listening to somebody else be coached on a similar thought that you're having, not only are you getting, are you hearing that coaching for them, but you're having to like twist it to make it fit your own situation. And so it's that extra level of just thinking about your thinking. Um, And it sometimes lands even better than if you're the one getting directly coached. Additionally, then you've normalized this fact that you're not, you know, crazy or weak or whatever you were negative thing you were thinking about yourself, because here's this other person up there who you probably respect getting coached on the exact same thing. Yes. And sitting, you're, you're so right. And sitting in a classroom, auditorium, zoom world, whatever it is. And Noticing in the chat or the heads nodding, that yes. also adds to the this crowdsourcing of support that, oh, it isn't just me. I'm not alone in this. It's not just her being coached and me. I'm seeing a lot of people going, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And that really yeah. shores up the um, the confidence to like, I can get I can get through this. I can do this. All right. I, I'm not um, I'm not. A unicorn here. Yes, I think that's exactly right. And then the two other ways you can get coached on our program. So for those that are not quite brave enough to come to a live coaching call, we have an anonymous written coaching forum. And so it's on our website and you can write in with anything that's going on for you. You don't put your name on it. You can't see who wrote in. And then within a business day or two, Adrian or I, or another one of our coaches writes back a coaching response. And sometimes we'll go back and forth with the person. All of those threads are posted online for everybody to read. Um, So some really vulnerable stuff comes up there. And then the third facet of our program is this course. It's a work at your own pace, 
None of it is required, but we have every week of the program. So the program is four months long. Every week of the program, we have a new theme. And so the themes are, um, you know, they've been iteratively improved based on feedback that we get each time we're in cohort six or something now. Um, But there are things that are applicable to the medical life. And so we start off teaching the coaching model. We talk about processing emotions, and then we really get into critical feedback um, or bias and microaggressions at work or imposter syndrome is in an entire month. We talk a lot about um, confidence and the fine line between confidence and arrogance and when do you step into self-confidence and why would you not and all those things. And so each week has a quick webinar that is just me or Adrian doing a little chalk talk filmed on our iPhones Um, and then a worksheet for you to work through at your own. Now, again, I just want to say we wanted to make this fit into the busiest physician's lifestyle. We initially built this course for residents who are working like, you know, upwards of 80 hours a week. And we wanted to make sure that it was not going to be an extra burden. And so nothing is required. And you don't need any of this to like hop on a call or jump into a worksheet in month three. You could just come in not having done any of it. We built it that way on purpose. We tell them all the time, you know, it's fine if you haven't done any of this yet. It's here for you. However you want it, whenever you want it, they get to decide kind of when it works for them. And so that's why there's a lot of asynchronous components, a lot of, um, you know, the podcast with all the recorded calls. And I'd say most of our participants are really just listening to the calls and doing the work on their own as, as sort of fits for them. So that's the program. Gosh. And and this, this is so simplistic and I'm sure ridiculous. And this would only be applicable for people who are in my age category, you know, late fifties, early sixties is the olden back in the olden days when there were talk shows like Frasier, there's a show called Frasier who is a psychiatrist. You know, Frasier. Okay. So um, Kelsey Grammer or whatever, whoever the actor is, it was back in the day when people listened to radio. So radio is a device that would transmit sounds and music, but he would be, he'd have his sessions on the phone and people would call in, call in talk radio with their, their challenge. And he would coach, you know, counsel them or do a little bit of therapy on the phone. I'm yeah. thinking back to the olden days when television shows first came out and you'd have the, it was the Oprah Winfrey and Bill, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. his name. oh, the, the white haired guy married to Mar- Marlo Thomas. Oh gosh. <laughs> You don't know. I'll look them up while we're talking. I don't remember. <laughs> I love when I do these things and these brain blips and pe- I get listen to people all going screaming at the phone. Of course, don't you know that's so. <laughs> but it, but you're you're making me think of that back in the olden days of where what people would gather as humans in community because it takes me back to prehistoric days of sitting around the campfire. Yeah, as a village of talking about. Where are my fears? What are my hopes? Who needs to be reined in? Who needs to be held accountable to this, that, and the other? Um, That this is just something so human that connects us. So this this idea of bringing this into this um, stage, if you will, physical or virtual stage, it's just, it's so natural. It's so beautiful. 
it's um, it's so cost effective, right? It's such an easy way. It's so talk about scaling up to how do you coach if you're in a big institution? How do you coach 3,000, 5,000 faculty? Well, Dr. Fainstead and Dr. Mann have figured this out. This is makes so much sense at a personal level and an organizational institutional level of how to roll this out. And I, I just can't wait to, for you to share all the fabulous data. Yeah, well, that's so fascinating that you mentioned community. Um, so I'm uh, since you did that, I'm going to talk about our qualitative data first. After this pilot, we interviewed 17 participants and then um, looked at the transcripts to see what themes emerged. And actually, one of the biggest themes to emerge that surprised us was the theme of community. These residents really felt a bond with the other Better Together residents that were in the cohort with them, even though they never physically met in person. And so Adrian and I actually thought we were sacrificing community when we had to pivot to Zoom and the pandemic hit. We were like, well, you know, we got for safety reasons, we have to do this on Zoom. We have to do this virtually. We will just sacrifice the community of all sitting in a room together. But actually, that was like the biggest theme to emerge is that they felt a stronger bond to these other physicians on the platform than they did to those in their everyday lives, just because of the normalization of vulnerability, I think. And so community came up. The second theme that we found was that they loved the coaching model. They were using it in and out of coaching sessions. They were coaching themselves. And then the third theme that came up kind of unsurprisingly was that they liked this multimodal sort of choose your own adventure way of it. Um, and so that article, you can read that article. It's in um, BMC Medical Education. So, um, if you search better together, you will find it. And it's also um, open to the public. Oh. Um, so, th but we also thank said- you, Thank you for doing that. And thank you for publishing that because that is the, that's the big, another big hurdle. It's one thing to do it. It's another yeah. thing to slog through getting it out into public. So thank you, Tyra. <laughs> thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> it really is a slog. I mean, I am. So my title right now in, in Better Together is the um, director of research, which is so wild. Adrian is the director of program operations, and I'm sort of the director of research. I do not see myself as a researcher. I never in a hundred million years thought that I would be a director of research of a big organization. And yet here I am um, really because I found this thing that I totally love and I deeply wanted to know, is it just me or is this thing actually effective? Like, can I actually help physicians in this way or is this all in my brain? And so I came at it from real curiosity. I, I need to know. And the, you know, academic research gold is a randomized controlled trial. And so we were thrilled to be able to do that in year one. Um, and we got our data back. So we, as I said, we pre-posted everybody and then we compared the scores of the intervention group with the control group after coaching. And we found that we actually decreased burnout. We decreased specifically the emotional exhaustion facet of the Maslach burnout inventory, which is sort of the gold standard way to measure burnout in physicians, um, by four points. And so in doing so, we took people from almost highly burnt out to just barely moderately burnt out. Well, Meanwhile, our control group actually got a little bit worse, which is typical through training. People tend to get more burnt out. So um, that's important because you're not only talking about statistically significant results, but clinically or substantively yes. significant, because we can talk yes. about you know, a lot of data and something is 0.05% right. <laughs> different. No, that is significant. 
right? There's data that shows even a one point drop on the Maslach burnout inventory decreases suicidal ideation, decreases oh. depression, decreases anxiety, decreases um, intent to leave. Right. You know, and you decreased four points. Yeah. We Whoa. did. And importantly, um, my statistician informed me that we were not powered to find that difference. In fact, in residence, she said we'd estimated we'd need about 500 residents to even find a one point difference in the Maslach burnout inventory. So we were thrilled. We were like over the moon thrilled. We also um, statistically improved self compassion, which is really at the core of the coaching model that we use. So that was my favorite metric to have improved. Um, and we decreased imposter syndrome and we used a binary score. So if you score higher than a five, you are positive for imposter syndrome and lower than a five, you are negative. And we effectively cured imposter syndrome for our intervention group. Cured it. I love it. Yahoo! Yeah. So we were thrilled. We wrote it up. You can read about it in that JAMA open paper from last year. Mm -hmm. um, I will say the other paper I'm getting ready to hit some, or no, I actually hit submit on it's in reviewer land now is we did a longitudinal analysis of our intervention group. And so we resurveyed our intervention group at 12 months after the coaching had ended to see are any of these sustained after you're not getting coaching anymore. Now I will say these are residents and we didn't plan on doing this study. So I didn't collect their emails and many oh, of them. No. I know I've learned a lot. This is me not being a researcher. So our response <laughs> rate was like in the thirties or something. Um, but even with that abysmal response rate, we actually showed that the self-compassion metric was sustained and everything else trended in the right direction. I think my hypothesis is we for sure won't, weren't empowered to find that difference, but self-compassion was sustained at 12 months. Is you've hit this is the this is you this is pay this is gold this is like the what what oh, by the way i just googled it's phil donahue for those of you who are dying to know it's phil donahue who did the, the tv show but this is the holy grail i mean th this is this is so important tyra so important uh. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I think so. Well, and to be quick about it was because we got these results and because of that reasoning where it's like I could have five people or 5,000 people, we decided to scale it up big time. Mm -hmm. So this past year, we enrolled over a thousand residents and fellows from 26 institutions across the country, big programs like Hopkins and small community programs, little ones in Alaska. Um, all over the country. And we onboarded over a dozen um, physician coaches to help us scale this program up. And what those physician coaches have done is just allow us to offer more calls per week. So we were doing two when we had just a hundred. Now we're doing five or six per week. Mm. So that's actually not that much coach time. I do one call a week. That is the time that it takes me to coach in this program. Now, researching it and building it is a whole nother ballgame, but actually delivering it, I do one call a week. Many of our coaches do one call a month and they are all volunteer. Huge shout out to my um, Better Together coaches out there for volunteering their time. It is a labor of love. They are also giving back and sort of wishing that they had this as residents. So we have now, we've actually got over 20 physician coaches on our, our team. You can see them on our website under our team. Um, and we are delivering this to thousands of people across the country. We ran that a mirror image randomized controlled trial of these thousand trainees across the country this fall. Mm -hmm. 
So we delivered the intervention in the fall of 2022. Um, and then we just finished up coaching our control group this spring of 2023. And I got data back. And I have to tell you, Kim, it Where's is- Where's the drum roll? Where's the drum roll? Roll drum roll. <laughs> I know. Roll. <laughs> if you can get a sound effect. The data is even better. It is even better. Go on. Go on. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the takeaway is that now we were powered to find a difference. Number one. Number two, perhaps the program has become better because, as I said, we're iteratively improving the curriculum. Um, and number three, I think that increased level of both uh, anonymity and community across the country has brought a level of impact to this program that we were not getting at a single site. And so if you jump on a call now in Better Together, you are probably with, you know, tens to hundreds of people across the country going through the same thing as you. And I think that's really powerful hearing from like, you know, a neurosurgeon chief resident talk about her experiences in the OR. And then the next minute you're hearing from like a psychiatry intern talking about her experience with this patient and their thoughts are the same. I mean, they're like the same core thoughts that are holding them back or moving them forward. And it's just so powerful to get that across the country. Hmm. So we improved burnout by a little bit more this time. We improved it in all three domains of the Maslow burnout inventory. We again, cured imposter syndrome. So using the binary forms of burnout and imposter syndrome, we were able to calculate a number needed to treat. <laughs> um, and so this is like fancy things that people who submit, you know, drug trials do. And so I'm trying to coin the term number needed to coach <laughs> to cure burnout <laughs> or cure imposter syndrome. We have a number for imposter syndrome of nine and a number for burnout of 11, which is like, as a primary care doctor, it's mind blowing. Like I'm giving everyone statins for number needed to treats in like the sixties or seventies. Right. Oh. And we think that's amazing. <laughs> unbelievable. This yeah. really is unbelievable. This is such, this needs to be headline everywhere. Headline. This is it. We've you, yeah. figured it out. I, th I hope so. I mean, we also, we improved moral injury, with these numbers, we looked at flourishing. So taking people, we were like, what about people that are generally doing okay? Can you go from good to great with this coaching? We improved flourishing. Um, we are also, I will say, so I'm getting ready to, I'm getting ready to submit this. Stay tuned. It'll be published somewhere, hopefully this year. Um, but meanwhile, while we did this study, we also have expanded our program. So we offered it to men here at the University of Colorado, men residents asking, does it work in men? Also, we also offered it to faculty. So we did a pilot here in faculty this spring. We had 200 faculty members from the University of Colorado enrolled. Um, we just are sending out the post survey for that group this week, actually. Thank you to all of those who might be listening. Um, and then we are preparing this upcoming fall. We are doing a multi-center, seven-site medical student trial, a UME trial, including Hopkins is one of those sites. We're thrilled to say. And we are also studying it in APPs, advanced practitioners, so NPs and PAs um, at Colorado and at Emory is our site champion there. And so, you know, we're just, <laughs> someday I'll be done running RCTs. <laughs> But I do want to, I want to prove that this thing works like really just airtight. Because as you know, in academia, you can do something you know is great, but if you don't prove it with like the best data, it it won't gain any traction and I won't be able to provide it at large scale. So we're studying, um, we're studying this like crazy. 
it all in and, and yeah, isn't this ironic? So a little bit of imposter here. I've never thought I'd be a, the director of research and look at all this research you are building and making the case and like knocking it out of the park right away with this. This is I I, I can't even. It's rare that I'm speechless, but I really I feel like I'm speechless. Mm-hmm. This is just so. This is it. This is the answer. It's kind of like someone just found the cure for polio. I mean, this is it. Come on. All right. Done. We, we finally, we finally, so. this is what we have to do. Better Together so. Physician Coaching. Better Together Physician Coaching. We've got coaches from across the nation. So I'll just, I'll, I'll conclude it, Kim, by saying that we think so too. And so what we're doing now, after we're done gathering all the data and publishing and making sure that this works, um, what we are doing is preparing to offer this program to the nation, maybe someday to the world, actually, um, for a subscription fee that sort of helps us keep running it at cost. And so we are actually launching that program for um, residents and fellows, so for GME this fall and for faculty um, for a subscription fee. Again, I told you we're studying students and, and APPs, so those are kind of in a different ballgame. But eventually we will have all three arms, so faculty, GME, UME, running at all times. And we worked with our um, CU office here to have to create a cost model just to see how much does it cost to keep all of this running, to keep the website going, um, to keep researching it, to keep our administration going. And the cost for one year of coaching for a student or a trainee is $10 a head. We are stop, offering it for $10 it, a head. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Ten dollars a head for, for students and trainees and for faculty, it's fifty dollars a head. We created that cost model just because we know that there tends to be a little more money out there for faculty with retention and institutions. There tends to be less money in GME and in UME. So we sort of offset off the cost. But it's still it's fifty bucks a head for an entire year. Within that year, you get you are offered two rounds of this four-month cohort. Um we also added oh. the option for one-on-one calls within within those cohorts. So you can get um, a one-on-one call each month that you're in it. And then, of course, like five to seven group calls per week and all the things I talked about. So we are, I mean, I'm like over the moon that this is accessible because what I will tell you, I mean, I personally spent more money than I want to admit, but people spend tens of thousands of dollars in the free market for this coaching is outrageously expensive and there is no way that students or residents could afford something like this on the outside. And so being able to offer this at cost, eventually I'll get my salary supported. I hope just to continue to run this um, is, is so, so exciting. You just stop, stop, stop. (laughs) You, you know, Dr. Tyra Feinstad for like queen of the world. I pay more for my cable subscriptions for apps that I don't use for, uh, you know, shoes that I buy that I never wear. This is, I know. yes, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. This is changing the world. You're changing the world. Rock star extraordinaire, Colorado. Watch out. We're coming for Tyra. We're all coming for her. Um, you better hang on to her because she is amazing. Oh, Tyra, I mean, I, I can't. I'm done. I, I, I just need to sit and take a moment because this is one of the most amazing things I've heard in years. 
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Well, and I want to clarify just for those that are listening, because I get a lot of questions. Our model for delivering this is that we always take institutions paying for their people to get it. So we actually don't offer this on an individual basis. You can't pay for yourself. What we believe in is changing the culture at an organizational level. And so we think this has to be a system level change, a leadership level change. So we want institutions to invest in their people. It's like this beautiful way that it's like a individually harnessed institutionally yes. sponsored model. And so the institution would sponsor it for an entire group of people at one time. I love to offer this to these I people and they don't get to know who takes it or who doesn't. It's a sort of mental health resource for your people that you would invest in. That's our yes. model. Yes, that is amazing. Right. Institutions stepping up our games, yeah. demonstrating through budget, no yeah. money mission. If you want to yeah. recruit retain, promote, build faculty members. Come on, right. 50 bucks a year for this yeah. richness yeah. that will pay you back the return on investment or if you're going to minimize or reduce or fix burnout and compassion yeah. and empathy, which as we know, if we are healthy and moving and grooving and, and everything is working in, in tandem and in harmony, our care, our patient care will be better. Our research will be better. Our collaborations will be better. Our institutions will be healthier and thrive. So you, this is, you cannot lose on this. Oh you my God. You can't lose. Stay Back tuned for the faculty data. We did look at attrition, which is also real important for institutions. I know. Wow. 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 I, I can't even, I'm seriously, I've, I've literally have goosebumps. Oh, me too. <laughs> right? Oh, God. All right. So here you go. Right? This is amazing. I don't know what else to say. Dr. Tyra Feinstad, University of Colorado School of Medicine. You you are amazing. Thank you to you and Dr. Adrian Mann. Uh, uh, we cannot wait to hear more about this, learn about this. Folks, get in touch with her. Please go to Better Together Physician Coaching and change your life and change your yes. institution. Yes, absolutely. I welcome any emails. We've got a contact us button on the website. Um, I can also post my own email in the show notes if you have those. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's Tyra Feinstad. So T-Y-R-A period Feinstad, F-A-I-N-S-T-A-D at C-U for Colorado University Anschutz, A-N-S-C-H-U-T-Z dot E-D-U. But if you're driving and you're walking your dog, go to the website, go to facultyfactory.org. Her bio's right there. All the information, all the links, especially to that Better Together Physician Coaching. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tyra. Oh, my gosh. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.